0: When we want something, we tend to want it as fast as possible. And we usually try to get things the fastest path we can go. Even if it's not the best path, even if it's not the right path, we often try to get what we want the fastest way possible. The college I went to, Grove City College, was notorious for strongly discouraging students from walking on the grass of the quad on the main lawn. They knew that we knew the fastest way to class was cutting across the grass, and they expressly forbid it that you were not allowed to do such things. You must stay to the sidewalks or else it would damage the beautiful grass on the quad. And so they tried to teach us the fastest way is not often the best way or the right way. And I believe that's a lesson that we can see as well in Genesis 13, our sermon passage for today. As we pick up again in the life of Abram, as Abram is patiently following God's promised path instead of trying to seize more quickly what God has promised. There are opportunities here for Abram to get things faster than God might want him to get them. So you're welcome to turn in your Bibles or look in the bulletin. We are going to be in Genesis chapter 13 today. Genesis is the very first book of the Bible. Abram is one of the first people that we spend a lot of time with in the Bible. You may know him as Abraham because his name gets changed in just a few chapters, but we're going to call him Abram today to stick with the text. Genesis chapter 13. We're going to look at the whole chapter. It's 18 verses. Let us hear the word of God. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him, into the Negev. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold, and he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord, And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Then Abram said to Lot, "'Let there be no strife between you and me "'and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, "'for we are kinsmen. "'Is not the whole land before you? "'Separate yourself from me. "'If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. "'Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left.'" And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were ver- were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are northward and southward and eastward and westward for all the land that you see. I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, we give thanks for your word. We praise you that you are a God who still speaks. That you are not a God who sits high above and remains silent waiting for us to reach you. You are a God who makes yourself known, disclosing yourself to us, revealing yourself to us that we might know you rightly and truly. And we thank you for your word, your revelation. And I pray, O God, that you would use me in spite of my sin and in spite of my weakness to faithfully proclaim your word, explaining and applying it. And that you would give us all ears to hear your word that You would open our hearts and minds to receive it as Your Word, to trust it, to obey it, and that by Your Spirit, You would do that great supernatural work of giving us life through Your living Word. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at our passage today, we are looking particularly at Abram's patience. And I want us to see two ways that Abram's faith, his faith in the promise of God, gave him patience To follow God's path. And then we're going to see how it is worship that strengthens that patience. So the first way we see Abram's faith give him patience is how he handles the problem of too much stuff. Abram is not a pack rat. He is not hoarding stuff. He's not cleaning out his basement. He just is very wealthy. At the end of Genesis 12, Abram was sent out of Egypt with even more possessions than he entered Egypt with. And though Lot was not mentioned in last week's passage, it's most likely that he was down in Egypt with Abram and Sarai. And so Lot as well gained a lot of extra livestock and possessions during their sojourn. And so Abram and Lot were tent-dwelling pilgrims. Ah, but they were wealthy tent-dwelling pilgrims. And that started to cause problems as we see in verses 6 and 7. The land could not support both of them dwelling together for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. I don't know about you, but it is really fun to try to picture this as like a rural version of West Side Story, with these two groups of ranchers just snapping and dancing and ready to just battle for livestock grazing ground. But this was really no laughing matter, as fun as that would be. See, they had no land of their own. They were pilgrims, sojourners. And so they had to find open land for their animals to graze. Ah, but the Canaanites and the Perizzites occupied some of this land. And so there simply wasn't enough open land in one place for both Abram and Lot to have their flocks and herds dwelling together. So how would Abram solve this problem. Last week in Egypt, we saw that he tried to plan his way out of his problems, ensuring that he kept himself safe from any potential danger. That didn't work out so well. So what about this time? Well, this time, Abram seeks to keep the peace with his nephew instead of keeping the best things for himself. As the elder and patriarch, Abram could have insisted on his own way. He could have demanded first choice. He could have sought to seize the best land for himself, greedily grasping what God had already promised him. But instead, he gives Lot the first choice. Abram generously lets Lot choose first, caring more about peace with his nephew than where his livestock would pasture. And this is really impressive for me after Abram's mess up last week. And so how did he regain this focus, this trust in God? Well, look back at verses 3 and 4. Abram retraced his steps, going back to where he first entered the promised land. He returned to where he made his altar. He returned and called upon the name of the Lord. In other words, Abram went back to worshiping God. And by worshiping the Lord, Abram's faith in God's promise was strengthened. So instead of scheming to secure what was promised, he patiently trusted that God would fulfill that promise in God's time and in God's ways. So engaging in worship prepared Abram to face his problem with faith. Instead of trying to grab what he wanted, he focused on what God had commanded him to do. If you remember early in chapter 12, Abram is told that he will be a blessing to others. And so that's what Abraham does. He gives his nephew first choice. And he brings peace to the herdsmen at strife with one another. He's blessing others instead of seeking what would benefit him first. How often can we say we share that perspective of Abram? Or do we struggle to serve others and bless others and we want to grasp on to what we feel we need? Perhaps we are worried that we will not have enough and so we are unable to give to others in need. Perhaps we are impatient about wanting to move on to whatever is next on our schedule or whatever is the next phase of life and we're unable to see that God has put us where we are and given us opportunities to serve and bless others. Are we willing to give up what is due to us, what is ours by rights, so that we can keep peace with others? Are we willing to say, I will set this aside for the sake of our relationship? See, when we worship, we are re-energized in a sense, trusting in God's provision, God's providence, and also his power to reconcile us and bring peace. Worship fuels that just as it fuels Abram. So that's the first way we see Abram's faith give him patience with the promise. The second way we see Abram's faith give him patience is how he is contrasted with his nephew Lot. Each of them, you can see it in verses 10 and 14, I believe, each of them, we are told, lift up their eyes. But they see very different things. When Lot lifts up his eyes, he focuses on only what he can see, choosing what looks best. But Abram, when he lifts up his eyes, sees the land through the lens of faith, looking at what God has promised. So let's look and see how they're seeing things so very differently. So when Lot lifts up his eyes, he's like, what do I want right now? And fresh off of a famine, Lot sees the security of the Jordan Valley. It is well watered like the land of Egypt. And he desires the prospect of not needing to pack up and sojourn in Egypt ever again. And So he sees an opportunity to settle in something close to paradise. The passage even notes how similar it was to the garden of the Lord, the garden of Eden. But what we see here is Lot is seeking paradise on his own terms. The mention of the garden should not be seen as positive, but as negative. Yes, the garden is a good place, but wanting to go back to the garden apart from God's invitation, that's not a good thing. God banished mankind from the garden, preventing sinners from entering paradise. And so Lot is essentially trying to find a way back into the paradise of the garden. He's trying to possess paradise apart from God's promise. And it's all because he's being led by his eyes. The desire of his eyes is leading him away from God and towards the things of the world. And we see Lot couldn't see everything. It wasn't just what Lot saw that got him in trouble. It's what Lot didn't see. Lot's eyes were so focused on the potential pleasures that he could not see the possible problems. As readers, we are given inside information to what Lot was missing. Information Lot may or may not have known. Lot was settling near Sodom which was a very wicked city about to be destroyed by God. Stay tuned, chapter 19, it is coming. And Lot could not see that by chasing paradise in the world, that he would be joined by others on that same sinful pursuit. He would end up getting caught up in the world and its wickedness by settling near Sodom. He could not perceive those dangers because his eyes were fixed on just what he wanted right then, right now. He wanted to possess paradise in the present. Abram, however, takes a very different approach. When Abram lifts up his eyes, he looks with faith. We saw that Abram first let Lot choose first. He was selfless in that. And when he looks at the land, he sees this is not yet my possession. Other people live here. If my mail gets delivered here, someone else is going to end up picking it up. This is not my house. He is a resident alien, a sojourner. And so Abram recognizes that his ownership, his promised ownership of this land will not be seized in this moment of separating from Lot. He looks and he sees and he realizes this is not the time to settle and get attached in this land. This attitude of Abrams is helped by what the Lord says in verses 14-17. through God tells him, lift up your eyes. Look from this place where you are, north, south, east, west, for all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. God tells him, look at it. I will give it to you. Note it's not his land yet. He does not yet have offspring as numerous as the dust of the earth. He also does not yet possess this land. He does not have a single offspring. He does not have a single plot of land yet at this point. But it will be his. And Abram looks at the land through this lens of faith, trusting in God's promise. He looks at a land that does not presently belong to him, but is his according to God's promise. We see this attitude in verse 17, where God tells Abram, Arise, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. God's like, go take a tour of this land and trust that everywhere you go, every place your footsteps, it's going to belong to you and your descendants. Don't settle in one spot yet. Get a good look. Look at this land, but patiently wait for me to fulfill my promise. Now, a lot of us, we'd be like, patience, not what I'm up for. But rather than Abram being impatient or discontented or grumpy about moving around, Abram goes forth in faith. It says he moves his tent and he can better see more of the land He builds yet another altar to the Lord, worshiping the God of the promise, even when he does not yet possess what has been promised to him. Abram did not yet enjoy the immediate pleasures of the Jordan Valley because Abram prized God's promises by God's path more than the pleasures of the present. We struggle with patience. We struggle with temptation in the pleasures of this life. And so how do we view the pleasures of this present age in relation to what God has promised to us? Do we, like Lot, search to build our paradise here on earth? That we want the perfect house, the perfect job, the perfect environment, the perfect area to live. We just want everything to be great in paradise right now. Do we covet worldly security and satisfaction forgetting that there are unforeseen dangers that may, associ- that may accompany some of what we are seeking? Are we seeking stability in a world that is fundamentally unstable instead of looking to the faithfulness of the Lord who will always keep His promises? When we look around us, do we look with the desires of the eyes or with eyes of faith? Abram lifted up his eyes with eyes of faith. He patiently waited for what God had promised to him. He could not possess what was promised however he wanted, and so he patiently waited for God to make clear the path to what was promised. He longed for descendants as numerous as the dust of the earth. Still not pregnant. He longed to fully possess the promised land. Still just living in a tent. And as Hebrews 11 tells us, Abram longed for a better promised land, the heavenly land. Didn't have that either. That's because sin ultimately blocks the pathway to paradise in this life. That when God banished Adam and Eve from the garden, he positioned angelic cherubim at the entrance with flaming swords to keep out sinners like us. And just as Lot was separated from Abram, so we have been separated from God. We could not dwell with God because of sin. And Abram had no way of forging ahead on that promised path without God doing something about the sin obstacle in his way. He was helpless apart from God, could only trust that God could do what only God could do and what He had promised to do. And thankfully, the promise he patiently waited for Was fulfilled. God ultimately fulfills these promises in Jesus, the descendant of Abraham, a descendant of this great nation of Israel, as numerous as the dust of the earth. And though Jesus is fully man, he did not give in to the temptation of the desires of the eyes. Satan himself came to Jesus with the kingdoms of the world tempting him, but Jesus resisted. Others wanted to make Jesus king, that he would rise up in earthly power and overthrow the Roman oppressors, but he resisted that. He resisted using his own power for his own gain. He trusted that God's promised path was better, even if that path had far fewer earthly pleasures, even if that path had suffering, even if that path led him to his death. And because, God, because Jesus perfectly followed the path that His Father set before Him, the pathway to paradise is now open for sinners like us. It is set before us like this meal at our table. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Me. The only path to paradise is through Jesus and through the path, the way that He has made. That way is not a step-by-step guide to be good enough to ascend to heaven in your goodness. It is a path that involves trusting with patient faith just as Abram did. Trusting that God has promised to forgive us our sins. Promised that that God has given us eternal life in Christ. That we trust that Jesus has done all that is necessary to give us paradise. And knowing that He takes us by the hand, leads us by His Spirit, no matter the suffering and stumbles that we have on the way. I want you to hear today that this is the only path. And this path also causes separation. That just as Lot and Abram were separated, so also this path to paradise separates people. Some people seek to make this world their ultimate home, letting the desires of their eyes guide them. But like the worldly city of Sodom was destroyed in God's wrath against sin, so also this world will face God's wrath against sin. And our only path of escape to paradise is through Jesus, through trusting in His Word, trusting in the promised salvation that He gives to us as a gift. And so may God give us eyes to see. May God give us eyes of faith that trust the very real promise made in Christ, a promise that has been fulfilled, and we seek to enjoy its ultimate fulfillment in the life to come. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank You that You give us these pictures of faith, that You give us the picture of Abraham, O God, a very real man who lived long ago, a man who struggled, who just had to live trusting Your Word when all around him people lived for the world. And yet, Lord, You were faithful. Help us, O God, to resist the desires of the world that, yes, we are called to uh, enjoy life as a gift from You, but we are not to find our satisfaction in worldly things, but we are to find our joy and hope in what You have promised to us. Lord, fill our hearts with a desire for what has been promised in Christ. May we long for Your paradise that You promised to give us and bring us to. In Jesus' name, amen.